Welcome to Vineyard Church Dungannon, a place where lives are being changed. The following message was given at one of our Sunday gatherings. For more information, visit vineyarddungannon.co.uk. Good morning. It's good to be here. It's even better that you're here. I would be here anyway, but it's even better that you're here. If you're new, I'm Matt. I'm part of the staff here at VCD, and we're really glad that you're here. You know, it's half term, there's a lot happening, and I'm really excited about what God's going to do this morning. So I'm glad that I'm here. Hopefully you're glad that you're here. And we'll see what God does and through the power of the Holy Spirit this morning. So if you have been gathering with us for a while, you know that we're in the book of Mark. We've been going through Mark's gospel. We've been looking at how God the Holy Spirit descended on Jesus when he was baptized by John the Baptist. And last week, we even looked at, Michelle looked at the outsider and how God in grace and mercy redeems people into his community. Regardless of their behavior, Levi himself was a hated person among the Jewish people. And what God did was he showed an extended grace to him. He didn't ask him to behave before he belonged but there was space in God's family for him to be an apprentice to Jesus. And that was a lot of grace that was given to us. I'm going to change this up. Don't think I could do that all day long, okay? We tried it. It didn't work. But there was a lot of grace ex- like extended to Levi. And there's still grace extended to us today as we follow Jesus. And regardless of where you're at, Michelle extended that grace to us where you don't have to behave to belong, but you could be part of God's family and be a follower of Jesus as well. And this morning we're going to jump back into Mark chapter 1. And we're going to look at a collection of stories about healings and how Jesus healed in his ministry. And I know that you're in a vineyard church, so in some way you're okay with this, but you might be on a different part of the spectrum when it comes to healing, and that's okay this morning. There's grace for you here, there's a space for you, and hopefully whenever we just go through this scripture that you would just be open to see what God's going to speak, what he's going to say, and what the Holy Spirit's going to do. Just hold that open-handed and just be willing to just experience the presence and the power of Jesus this morning and the Holy Spirit. I'm going to invite Hannah to come and read for us. It's Mark chapter 1, verses 14 through to 42, so it's quite a bit. So if you have a Bible, why don't you grab one? If you don't, there's ones at the front, we'll give them out. If you don't have any uh, actual Bible, if you don't have a Bible, then take this home from us as a gift to you. Okay, so Mark chapter 1, verses 14 through to 32. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching, because he taught them as one who had authority, 
not as the teachers of the law. Just then a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook, shook the man violently and came out of him with a streak. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, What is this? A new teaching and with authority. He even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. That evening, after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who were ill and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so that I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was indignant. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Thanks, Hannah. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this word. We thank you for the fact that this text still breathes life and brings hope to us this morning. Wherever we are, wherever, whatever we are carrying, whatever we are walking through right now, God, would you show up in just a really present way? Would we know your power? Would we know your presence? Would we just be moved uh, just to a whole new level of experience and understanding you and your love for us this morning? In Jesus' name, amen. In the 1990s, this was the thing to have. In fact, it burst on to the Christian like fashion scene, I'm going to actually say. And in fact, I had two. You had to be someone, sorry, you were someone if you had one of these, or you had to have one of these to be someone, whatever way around it works for you. But it was the fashion piece statement. And it was as simple as this. What would Jesus do? One of the bands, okay? Did anyone, who had one, by the way? Hands up if you had a What Would Jesus Do band. Some people are buying into this, okay? Some people not, okay? There's a generational thing, it seems, okay? But if you were young enough to have one, it was all on the youth fashion scene in Christian circles. I actually found one in a shop in Dungannon, okay? Some, it was back in the early noughties. The shop maybe hasn't moved on too much from then. You can still pick one up, don't worry. But if you went back 2,000 years ago to whenever Jesus was on the scene, Maybe the, this question wouldn't have been too far removed from the lips of the Jewish boys that were growing up in that day, or the Jewish kind of youth scene as well. Might not have been what would Jesus do, but what would my rabbi do? We've talked about this in length, but this question, what would Jesus do, what would my rabbi do, was actually deeply formational. 
it actually was meant to ask us as youth the question of if Jesus was here right now with these sets of circumstances with th facing this problem today how would he react you see if we grasp that if we understand that question then that should transform how we live because that is a deeply transformational and formational question what would Jesus do? And it's the same for the, the Jewish culture back then. What would my rabbi do was a deeply formational question. And in fact, we talked about this a wee bit, but if you weren't here, I'm going to give you a quick overview. The Jewish education system was gearing people up to be a rabbi. The creme de la creme became rabbis. One percent, not even one percent of Jewish boys would have become a rabbi. At the age of 10, you had to recite the Torah, which is the first five books of the Old Testament, by memory. That's pretty hard, okay? Five verses, sometimes it's hard enough, but five books. And then by the age of 15, you had to be able to recite from Genesis through to Malachi. I'd have definitely been out. I wouldn't have made it. And if you got to that point, you passed your test, then you went in search of a rabbi. That still didn't mean that once you found your rabbi that you'd made it. The rabbi would question you. The rabbi would ask you to recite certain things and delve into your thinking and how you process things. And if it didn't quite meet the mustard, or if the rabbi didn't think that he or you were adequate to carry his teaching and his thoughts and his actions and, and actually bring them out into, into the world, then he would have said, go home. You're not going to hut out for this world. Go back to your father's job. And that's where we find Simon, Andrew, James, and John. They're fishing. That's what their fathers did. They're in a boat. But don't feel too bad for them because actually in verse 20, we see that Zebedee has quite a wealthy business going here. Zebedee is hired, man. That means it's big time ludicrative, or it's a really kind of like ludicrative business, okay? A lot of money being made. So they're pretty cushy. They've landed it. But in verse 17, Jesus actually issues them a call. And we think that Jesus is being like playing a, like a really cool kind of pun here. I'll make you fishers of men, you're fishermen. But this would have been the call that a rabbi issued towards his students to come and to follow him, to be like him, to do what to be like him, be with him, and do what he did. So Jesus is issuing a call, but a rabbi would never issue a call. A rabbi would never have went in, sorry, went in search for his students. The students would have sat under a rabbi and then the call would have came. Not the other way around. So even at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, he was countercultural. He did things and turned things on their heads, which is really cool because I think that gives us hope. It gives me hope, the fact that I don't have to have it all together, as Michelle said last week. I don't have to have everything sorted or be the best at everything because Jesus sees promise and potential in people that have been rejected. So if that's you this morning, hopefully that builds a bit of courage in your heart. But you don't have to have it all together. You don't have to have it all right and worked out in your life. But there's hope that Jesus will call you into relationship and you can live out this life of following him and what it looks like. So here we, we pick this up that Jesus is actively calling them into a relationship with him. And this morning he's actively inviting you to be coming into a transformational lifestyle with him. So that you no longer have to ask what would Jesus do, but because of your proximity to him, 
because you are continually kind of being formed and shaped by him, it's becoming more of a natural reaction. That it becomes as natural as breathing. It's just what you do. You don't have to ask the question anymore. You already show compassion and love and generosity to the people that you come into. You have a, a passion for social justice. You have a passion for the down and out people who are really struggling because you're showing grace and love and you're moved to compassion the way Jesus was. And, and Hannah read indignant. And there are passages that would say moved with compassion. And Jesus over and over again was moved with compassion. We want to be a people in the same way that Jesus acted, moved with compassion. So what does that mean for us? If we want to be like Jesus, do what Jesus did, then that means we need to imitate his actions. We need to do the Jesus stuff. Do what he did. But what did Jesus do? One of the things over and over again, it's probably not going to come as a surprise to you, is heal the sick. It's kind of we're talking about it this morning, okay? I'm really excited about this. But Jesus healed the sick. Verse 30, we read, if you put it the list up there, Laura. Verse 23, Jesus heals a man with an impure spirit. Heals Simon Peter's mother-in-law. Then all the crowds come because they hear of what Jesus is doing. He heals them. He then goes to spend time alone with the Father in verse 37. And there's so many people at his door that he just can't even get those five minutes with God. And he probably has to like, leave that presence of God and go and heal those people. And then he, I love the fact that in verse 30, like, yet he, they just mark tags on this wee phrase. And he drove out many demons as if it was nothing. Okay, he just does it. And then in verse 40, Jesus heals a leper. Story after story, of healings. And just want to be faithful in the moment that there's a leper there. And in verse 37, it says that Jesus went to the lonely places. Jesus went out to the lonely places so he could preach and teach the word because that is why he came, it says. But in the lonely spaces, that's where the lepers were. That's where the outcasts of societies lived. I, maybe you weren't here last week, but I just feel as if there's something that the Spirit is saying again. That if that's where you feel you are, Jesus is there with you right now. We'll pick up why the lepers were there, but right now I feel that Jesus is saying, the Holy Spirit is saying, Gee, I'm with you, I'm for you. And there is life with me this morning. So if that's you, be encouraged because I believe that God is going to do something in your life and really just meet you in that moment. Because whenever he meets the leper, he says, I'm willing to be healed. He shows compassion. He reaches down into that man's space and into his life and touches him. I believe that you may experience the touch of the Father in love and grace this morning. So be encouraged if you're in that lonely space. But news spread far and wide, so much so that he couldn't go into the towns, but he stayed in the lonely spaces, and people came everywhere to meet him. So in Mark's gospel, actually the gospels that hold Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there's about 37 times whenever we hear about healings, give or take a few. But 29 of those actually are to do with healing, whether that be mind, body, or soul, or spirit. Jesus heals 29 times. 
that's quite a big number. When you look at it, that's 80% roughly of his healings were to do with healings. So if it's a big thing to Jesus, then it should also be quite a big thing for us. We should take note of it. And what's so significant about, about healings, there is a, there's two things that come to mind. The first is healings reconnects people to God. Healings reconnect people to God. And the question that is asked of in John chapter 9, verse 2, is a question that we probably still ask today in our communities and people outside of this community will still ask about karma theology kind of idea. You know, good things happen to good people, bad things happen to bad people. Oh, he deserved that anyway. You know, he was living that lifestyle. But that is this kind of idea that if you act a certain way, then you will be blessed and vice versa. And the disciples are even asking that question because sin and illness was so intrinsically linked together. If you had illness, it was believed that you had sinned or maybe a family member had sinned. And that's why they're asking this question, Rabbi, who sinned in this household? Was it himself or his parents that this guy was born blind? And so they're even kicking this can down the road way back then. But Jesus is saying, no, it's not about that. And what Jesus does is he comes and he heals in order to kind of demolish that thought and that thinking. And he's reconnecting people to God. N.T. Wright says that uh, Jesus was concerned with justice and peace and bringing shalom onto the earth. He wanted to put things right. And so him healing actually was the way that he did this. He put things right. He reconnected people to God because because you were sick, you were disconnected from the covenant of Israel and Yahweh. You couldn't go into the temple. You couldn't worship. In fact, you were isolated from people. And as I said, the lepers were sent to live outside of the city walls, ringing a bell because they were unclean. And what Jesus does is he reaches down into their situation, sees them, heals them, and reconnects them to the Father. Mark chapter 2, whenever a paralyzed man is lowered through the roof in front of Jesus, he doesn't say, rise, take up your mat and walk first. That comes after, but he says, son, your sins are forgiven. And he demolishes that separation between God and sickness or sick people. So there's a reconnection with the Father. The second reason is that uh, healing displayed the kingdom of God. Healing displayed the kingdom of God. And if Mark chapter 1, verse 15, as we open with, is talking about that the primary message that Jesus said was the kingdom of God is at hand, then the primary marker for the kingdom of God is healing. That's why Mark probably leads with about four or five different times when Jesus heals in Mark's gospel after the kingdom of God is at hand. And why is this? I believe it's to do with God being a God who shows and wants to tell us what it looks like when God is in charge, what it looks like when God gets his way. The kingdom of heaven breaking in, heaven coming to earth, looks like restoration of mind, body, and souls. This is a great thing. This is something to get excited about because if you even see heaven break into earth, there is something happening in the States in Ashbury, okay? which is apparently the presence of God. I'm, I'm not trying to be cynical, okay, but I know there'll be people who are cynical. I get that. 
I'm really excited about that. I would love to be there and love to even witness what's going on, to be a part of it. If that is God's presence there and seeing what is happening when the kingdom breaks in into that space, that would be truly amazing to witness. And there's a challenge in that, even for us, because if it just is a place where God gathers and nothing comes of that other than the presence of God, that's good, but it could be so much greater. And this is where the challenge maybe for us this morning as well comes, because if we just meet here, if we gather under the presence of God and it changes us, great. But if it doesn't transform the world we live in, working out through us, then all this was, was a spiritual moment that we never brought out into our community. There's a disconnect there. Great, heaven breaking into earth is amazing. We love it. We want to see more of it. But if we just keep it to ourselves, sometimes we are afraid if we dilute it down that we might miss out or it might fizzle out. But what happens is if we share this, actually it goes further and farther than we could ever imagine. We get to see it more and more in our community in our jobs. And the one thing that I've come to realize over the years is that religion is not enough to keep people close to Jesus. It just won't cut it. And you can show up, you can go to Ashbury if you want, you can do whatever you want, you can sit in that place. But if you're a religious and you're not seeing the kingdom of God breaking in on stewarding that in the world that we live in, it's not going to be enough. Because I want a God who is close. The kingdom of God is at hand. That means it's tangible. That means you can reach out and you can touch it, that you can experience it for yourself. And that is what Jesus is inviting us into this morning. Back then as well, that's what he invited his disciples into, to reach out and touch and experience the kingdom of God coming from heaven to earth today. Jesus' teaching was never, you know what, whenever you die, you will be with me in, in heaven or somewhere in the sky. That's not what Jesus taught. Jesus taught that his kingdom would come. It wasn't about going up there. It was about heaven coming down here. It wasn't transactional, say a prayer and you'll get into heaven. It's his hope was that heaven would get into us, into our community. And this is what Jesus is saying. The kingdom of God is breaking in. I really believe that this is the thing that will keep people sustained. Jesus' power and his presence and his love becoming real in our lives will keep us close to God. Because I've done religion. I've done it before. It doesn't last. It fizzles out because there's only so long you can be good for. There's only so long that you can tick all the right boxes and become frustrated and tired. And if you're done with that, I encourage you to say, that's enough. But if you want to be sustained, if you want to experience his generosity and love in reaching down into your life in a way that you could never have imagined, then we need to center ourselves in the power and the presence of God in that close, tangible, reach out and touch it kind of living and relationship that God is inviting you into today. And as I said, if we just meet for a spiritual moment, that's good. But there's so much more that God is calling us into that you can experience yourself. 
I could share story, we're talking about healings, I could share story and I reminisce with Cheryl Roberts when we were up the town and seeing people come up to us on walking sticks and crutches and then leave without using them. I could share those stories. There's many stories that you could share probably this morning, but sharing a story is not as good as experiencing for yourself. It's like me telling you about a great meal that I've had. The aroma of the food filling my nostrils, you could get a sense of it, you could eat, maybe even your saliva glands will start to salivate, and you could taste, maybe think that you could taste the concoction of flavors bursting on your palate, but it's not the same as tasting it and experiencing it for yourself. And this is the invite that Jesus is saying this morning, come and experience it for yourself. Do the stuff I did, be like me, do what I do. And the invite this morning is come and do it. John chapter 14, verse 12 says this. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do greater works than I have been doing. For they will do greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Verse 16 then says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you, and he will be with you forever. In essence, it's the Holy Spirit empowering us to do the things, just in the same way that the Holy Spirit empowered Jesus to do these things in his earthly ministry, he's empowering us to do these same things today. And I know there's a lot of debate around this in different kind of religions and different kind of backgrounds, but what happens in this moment is that Jesus is saying that whoever believes in me will do greater works than I have already done. At this moment, Jesus has healed the dead, cast out demons, uh, cleansed the lepers, and healed the sick. That's quite a high bar right now. I don't know about you, but that's pretty exciting. If that's the level that we're working at, if that's the level that Jesus is inviting us into, then that's pretty good. If it's greater than that, then happy days. That's even more exciting. That should fill us with confidence and courage and excitement to see what God does. The other thing, if it's just more kind of of what Jesus has already done, because we're more numerous now, we're more maybe a number, we've got more time, I don't really mind either way. There's going to be greater things. There's more here for you this morning to step into, to experience, to reach out and grab this morning. So in summary, if you are a follower of Jesus, then you're expected to do the stuff. You're expected to be like Jesus, become like him, follow in his teachings, but more importantly, in his actions as well. Because it's good to know the stuff. That's transactional, but it's even better to be formed and shaped by the stuff so it's just what you do. That's formational, and that's what Jesus is asking us and inviting us into. So, how do we do the stuff? It's really simple. It's pretty simple prayers. And there's a one, two, three, four here of what to do. Look at the sick person. Sometimes that's easy. It's a crutch. Sometimes you already heard someone say, I've got a really sore back. Okay? Ask permission. Okay? Always good to ask permission. Okay? Gets you out of a lot of bother, okay, if you ask permission before. I'd ask permission to the person if you can pray for them, if you can place a hand on where it's sore, if it's appropriate to do so. 
and then pray, come Holy Spirit. P and go, if you're fancy, you can speak to the, like the, the sore area itself, like leg be healed, back pain, leave, make it new in Jesus' name. And what I love about this is all power and authority has been given to us. The helper of the Holy Spirit has come. We were always meant to rule over uh, creation because that was Jesus' intention in the garden, God's intention in the garden. Sin distorted that. The promise that Jesus coming back and restoring that relationship with the Father restores our kingship, restores our authority, restores our ability to pray in the power of Jesus' name and see these amazing things happen. It's not about what you bring to the table. It's about what the Holy Spirit is doing and showing up. So if you pray for someone and they get healed, praise God. Check in with the person. Number four, check in with the person. Has anything changed? Great. Thank God. If not, that's okay too. Pray again. Repeat steps one to four. Hopefully you haven't mislocated your sick person already, but you can pray again. Partial healing is great, but full healing is even better. And this isn't a... You pay so much. By the way, this isn't, uh, I just feel like this is something to say, okay? This isn't anything that we are looking money for. This is about sharing the kingdom of God in our community. Sharing the power and the presence of God and the love of the Father breaking in because that is what sustains people. That is what changes people's hearts and minds. That is how the kingdom breaks in. And that's why I believe healing was so such a, like, a formational part of Jesus's ministry and teaching about the kingdom because it shows what, how God wanted it always to be like. Remember, it was the way, this is the way whenever the king is in charge, when the king gets his way, what it looks like. Heaven coming to earth. The last thing I want to encourage you to do is share your story. I was dusting off the, some pages on the website and I came across this again. And this is part of vineyard culture. If you have been here for years, you know that we are people of storytellers. Not because it highlights how good we are, but it highlights how, God it, how good God is. I want to encourage you this morning to tell you that you can do this on our website. If you get prayer for a, like an illness, for something that you're sick in and you get healed, then share that story. If you're praying for somebody out in their community and they get healed, then share that story as well. It's not going to go live on the website, but we want to share the stories with you. Why? Because it builds faith. It raises, the, it raises the bar and lowers the ceiling for us as well because we realize if God has done that in a coffee shop at 4 p.m. on a Friday where he has healed someone from being, and made them here for the first time, then God can do it somewhere else on a Monday morning in an office. It's as simple as that. It raises faith. I'm going to be honest with you. It's awkward. It doesn't get any less awkward at times. But the more you do it, the easier it does become. I'm going to share a story because it's all about sharing the stories of faith, which is risking it and going for it, as Wimber says. It's also sharing stories of failure and faithfulness and fruit. My story of failure was pretty high bar, so I'm going to give it to you, so hopefully yours is easier than that. But just to show you that this is sometimes okay, this happens. But I was practicing just listen to the spirit and i got it wrong but i went with the humility to the the people they were on stage leading worship at a conference okay it's never a good start right is it and for some reason the word infertility and problem with children came to mind 
I felt that God, that was a word. And I just wanted to pray a blessing over them. It was as simple as that. I would just ask them. I humbly went and asked them, like, like, I'm practicing this. It's still new to me. I might have got it wrong, but I wanted to be faithful. And I let them decide. And they said, no, we're not struggling with that. We're not even trying. Needless to say, I was like, okay, right, okay, what do I do here? Okay, let's just pray a blessing and get this over with, right? Because this is really awkward. These guys are on stage. I'm going to lead them in worship in the next 20 minutes, okay? I, well, it was actually after the set. So they they kind of stepped on. It was the next day they were going to be back. And I thought, oh, I'm going to see them again. So I prayed a blessing over them. They were fine about it. Now they have a kid. I'm not saying that that was the case, okay? But I'm not disregarding that either, okay? But what, why did I share that story? I would rather be faithful and be humble and bring a word and step into the awkwardness than miss the opportunity of heaven coming to earth and transforming me in that process and them whenever God shows up and steps in. So I want to encourage you to be faithful in that. Yeah. Is it encouraging? Is it edifying? Yes. Is it going to bring life? Go for it. Be humble. Be courageous. Risk it. Share the story of how God breaks into that moment. We're going to transition to ministry time. Uh, we're going to, I'm going to invite you to stand, actually. Let's do that. Let's stand. If you want to be like Jesus, become more like him, do what Jesus did, then we kind of got to do this Jesus stuff. This is the mandate of the church to carry on the mantle. And as I was looking in the, the kids where they play, there was a book of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, and I believe there was a message, there was a word of, for us as a church and as individuals this morning, given from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and Willy Wonka's Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. It was to do with the everlasting gobstopper. And I went and read it, and as I read the passage, what happened was there was a gobstopper that had been, been trialed for a year, and yet it never lost its flavor. It never lost its size. It was brand new. And this guy, the Oompa Loompa, had been sucking on it for a year. And each taste was a new meal. Each taste wasn't something more, something better than the one before. And God spoke and said, this is what I've got for you. There's an everlasting, I'm like the everlasting gobstopper. There is something more. And yes, right now what you're experiencing is good, but there's more to me. I've got another meal for you, which is just the power and the presence of God establishing his connection on earth, I believe. And God is inviting us into it. God is saying there's more for you this morning. Whether or not you want to experience his presence for the first time or just actually see more of his presence breaking under earth, there's more. And just giving space for people even this morning, if you want to close your eyes. We recognize that you're doing, the Holy Spirit is doing more this morning. That's an invite into something more. The children of Israel were in the wilderness for 40 years because they weren't willing and brave enough to take that step into the promised land with milk and honey. There's provision. There's so much more waiting for us when we give our yes to Jesus to do this Jesus stuff 
and practice his presence, practice heaven coming to earth, doing the Jesus stuff. And I believe that there's things that are holding people back. In fact, people were praying and speaking into this word that there is fear holding you back this morning. If that is you, I encourage you just right now to even say a yes under your breath, to whisper it out to God that you want to step into something more. You want to experience more of him, realizing that there's never an end with God. There's never an end to his goodness. It will never run out. And he's taking us to a new level, taste after taste, Godstopper flavor after gobstopper flavor. He is the never-ending gobstopper in our lives who brings us hope and shows up and brings us more. So if that's you, then just say, God, I'm in. I'm ready for that. Thanks for listening to this message. For all the latest information on what's happening in the life of our church, visit vineyarddungannon.co.uk.